comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the fourth episode of the DC TV podcast, and uh, we have a lot to talk about this time out. Not only do we have new episodes of Gotham, The Flash, and Arrow to talk about, we also have some huge news on the DC movie side, and uh, also your thoughts, of course, in the Facebook group, uh, and all that, and uh, the ratings too, and tonight to uh, go on this magical adventure with me, I have uh, Mr. Uh, Chub Toad, Rich uh, Sheldon from the... Uh, Long Box of Doom and many other sundry uh, podcasts. Hello. Uh, we have the uh, the Donald Trump of podcasting, Daryl Taylor. I saw a death joke and he didn't kill me. <laughs> he saw you with his good eye? Yeah. <laughs> From the Taylor Network of podcasts. So many, I, I we really don't have time to mention them all, Daryl, but uh, there are quite a we few. We will make the time next time. You are time. a prolific dude. And... Uh, Joining us once again, uh, returning guest, uh, the voice himself from the Godfather's H of HHWLOD, Half Hour Wasted, uh, Mr. Bill McGonnell. Good to have you, Bill. Guten Abend. Now, just a few hours before we got uh, uh, together to record, uh, Warner Brothers dropped their schedule of movies going all the way to 2020. Um, the movies that they're looking to, to use uh, to do under the, you know, a lot of the DC characters. And uh, there are a total of, of 10, uh, if you count uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I mean, which we already know quite a bit about. But so that's, you know, nine movies they announced. I mean, a couple of them, uh, we'll, uh, as we get a little more granular, we'll talk about it, like we'd heard about them coming or whatever. Um, but, I mean, this is the first official word that we've had on any of this kind of stuff. Um. We're starting out, of course, they they're, they want, uh, I don't know, I, I just, the, everything balances on how well Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice does, though. I mean, they're looking for Avenger-sized numbers on that, and if they don't get it, I don't know if how many of these will actually, you know, see it all the way through to production. Maybe. That may be why they spread it out so far. Maybe. I mean, because, I mean, if that movie kind of flops, I'm not saying it will or it won't, or may, I'm not making a judgment, I'm just that... You know, the hypothetical, if it, if it doesn't make the kind of money they're looking for, and be, to be frank, I mean, they're looking for Avengers-sized money, they're looking, you know, toward a billion dollars worldwide gross on it, then, you know, maybe this plan will be, you know, curtailed, edited, shifted around, or what have you. Well, and, and the thing is, is, like, most of the single-character movies from 2017 on, those, they're, they're announced for at least cameos in the Batman versus Superman movie, so maybe it's not just the the how well it does at the box office, but maybe the opinions and and how how well each character is individually received. Because maybe if Wonder Woman's great, 
But Aquaman is something, meh. They might still do a Wonder Woman and just not an Aquaman. Far spread out for me to believe that they're not, they're not counting on having to make some changes. If like if, if Dawn of Justice does really, really well, I can't see them waiting until 2019 or something to do... Uh, yeah, 2019 to do part two or... Or maybe or 20, they, 2017. Right, or, they, or to be happy. If they're happy with Wonder Woman, I don't even think they'll wait till 2017. I think they'll get right on her getting doing another movie right well, away. Well, let's break down the list real quick for the listeners and for us. We've got Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And, I mean, as we see the franchise opening up like this, I mean, it seems like it's... Definitely more of a gateway into a Justice League movie than just a Batman versus Superman movie. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean they put the tag on there at the end. That's directed by Zack Snyder, coming out 2016. Also coming out in 2016, and this is the one I'm most juiced about: um, Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer. Yeah, but I had heard that we're not gonna, we're probably not gonna get a Harley Quinn in that, and that's to me Suicide Squad. I don't know. I'm a fan of her being part of that lineup. It could still it could still be a pretty cool movie if they you know they do it as like a heist style movie you know or uh, a and I don't and movie. I I'm from the old school uh, Suicide Squad I don't need her to be yeah. on it like I I'm fine with her being on it but that ain't the version that I fell in love with right well, I grew I grew up with the same one you did Daryl Bronze Tiger Boomerang yeah. um, Deadshot you know those guys and I think, I did too but I just like it better with Harley I don't know yeah just, she's a great character I mean no no denying that no I'm not no not denying that at all that um, Batman Assault on Arkham animated uh, feature by the way was a really good Suicide Squad movie so I hope uh, David Ayer takes a look at that uh, you know before he makes his okay in 2017 the two movies that will be coming out will be Wonder Woman starring Gal Gadot and then Justice League Part One which will be directed by Zack Snyder. With Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Amy Adams, all in that movie. Again, reprising their roles. Right. So I'm surprised they got Affleck for another one of these. But I'm not. I, I figured that he was going to be all in. If this is if this is successful, I kind of got the the thing that he would be all in on this. Well, and if he signed in for one, um, he probably signed a multi-picture deal. Um, I was reading today about uh, them looking at uh, possible actors for Doctor Strange, Thank You, Heaven, and um, they mentioned that Ryan Gosling uh, was con- was being considered for this and that he had, to this point in his career, uh, done none of these tentpole action, you know, expected sequel type movies because he just didn't want to be tied in to any multi-picture deals. So uh, I think it would make a lot of sense that, you know, I, mean, I guess Ben Affleck, might be a big enough name to get around those conventions, but kind of doubt it. I mean, he's he's probably there for three movies or six movies or whatever you know is contractually stated. So well, I mean, he's going to hope. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be in in um, you know the, um, two movies back to back in 2016, 2017. Right. And then 2019 will be another Justice League movie. I would assume he'd be in that, but I'm wow. getting ahead of myself. In 2018, in between the two Justice League movies. We're getting a Flash movie starring Ezra Miller. Now, Daryl, you said you know a little bit about this guy. He's like an indie movie guy. Yeah, that's basically what he is. He does uh, indie films so far. This would be the biggest thing he's ever done uh, in his career. Um, this, it's just, I don't know. I, I saw a picture of him. And it just I don't know. It just doesn't have the look, uh, I would think, for, for yeah, Flash. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't see what 
which one he would be. Like he, he doesn't look like Barry Allen. He doesn't look like Wally West. And the thing, if it is Barry Allen, if it is Barry Allen, I mean, then this is a confirmation here, like we already knew anyway, but just a f- firm confirmation that the television shows and the movie world will not ever cross as far as this initiative. Which is a shame because Grant Gustin is really good on The Flash, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I agree. Um, the second the second movie in 2018 will be Aquaman starring Jason Momoa. Now, we kind of heard about this ahead of time, mm. but we didn't have a date on it or a confirmation. I mean, Momoa has been kind of hinting at it for a while now. Right. Um, him as Aquaman. And they also announced some of the supporting characters in that movie are going to be... It's going to be the whole Atlantis thing with Mira and uh, Black Manta and that whole... You know that whole cast. So we're looking at more of a classic take on Aquaman. Yeah, I'm surprisingly excited about this one. I, I've I've never been a huge Aquaman fan until Jeff Johns with the New Fifty Two, which is one of the few things, and at least in the beginning of the New Fifty Two, that I liked. Um, and that went downhill after he stopped writing it. But uh, yeah, I'm a m- big Momoa fan, and you know, just kind of considering what we've seen and heard, just with the rumors i'm i'm really excited i never thought i would be excited for an aquaman movie now jace momoa seems completely it's very weird casting kind of like this ezra miller kid i guess um i mean it just strikes me as uh as a reach because uh, i uh i was one of those kids that i enjoyed stargate atlantis and so i saw his formative years and uh, I know he's done stuff since then. I mean, we saw him in Game of Thrones. Um, he was good in that, but he wasn't asked to do much. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, he doesn't look like Aquaman. Uh, I don't think he acts like I would expect Aquaman would act, uh, you know, as a, just a human, uh, an actor. Um, I just, I just fail to see why this is the perfect idea. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, cast, uh, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds uh, or anything. But, God, uh, no. It, it no, it just it seems uh, counterintuitive. I, I look at, if, see, I look at him and I I remember. Well, I love Aquaman and I've read it. Peter David was the one that I fell in love with. His his version of Aquaman and then the animated version of Aquaman, which looks a lot like, a lot more like him than any other version I've seen of Aquaman. <laughs> he almost looks like the brave and bold Aquaman, um, you know, if you colored his hair. Outrageous. <laughs> Outrageous, exactly. The old, if you look at the, I, I will not even acknowledge the brave and bold, <laughs> but if you look nice. at the, the Justice League of Unlimited version, where he was very Conan-like. Yeah, see, I was just going to mention Jason Momoa in that Conan movie that came out mm-hmm. a few years ago, and he, he really did have the action stuff down and the kind of swashbuckling right. thing down. And I mean, I could see them trying to make Aquaman kind of like DC's Thor. You know what I mean? He's got and, the, and... the mystical city that he comes from with the race of of superhuman you know, Atlanteans, much like the Asgardians. You know, he has a rich, deep back history. A lot and of more people would from. see the... I think more people would... I think it's the... the um, the John Stewart syndrome of Green Lantern, where more people have seen the John Stewart version from the cartoon than than most have seen the comics. Well, we'll we'll get to that. See, um, and here here's the thing on on Momoa as Aquaman though, as I think it's actually perfect casting because Aquaman 
has always been portrayed, or not always, but mostly been portrayed, not quite as the big muscle-bound hero. He's always been kind of pasty white. Um, this guy's an Atlantean. He's in the sea. He's he's out in the sun. He's going to have a tan. Um, he's going to be muscular. He's going to, you know, for the things that Aquaman does, he, he cannot be what we've seen portrayed you know, in, in the 70s and 80s and, and, and you know, even recently. Um, I, I think, you know, you dye his hair. Uh, I think he, he's a perfect choice. And I think Momoa is a great actor, and I think he can deliver it pretty well. Did uh, did any of you guys see that, that pilot that uh, WB did for Aquaman series uh, yeah. with, with Ving Rhames? Mm-hmm. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw, uh, like, a five six minute clip of it that's what oh, yeah, i'm afraid of that's what i'm afraid of here I, I think i think like i said if they sell it like like you said daryl like a conan type adventure story or whatever you know with swashbuckling and, and swords and everything i think that that would be an easy sell that's the first because when i saw that they picked him for because i thought he was gonna play somebody else when they were talking about him going for a role in dc the first thing i thought was the animated ver- the the animated version of aquaman which is has him He's got the big fat necklace. He's got the, the medallion, the the claw. You know, like he he right. he's got the the beard. You know, it's kind of the bearded look and the long hair, which is how he looks. You know, and like then the two parter that introduced him in that series. I think that's when he lost his hand. Right, he did. You know? He had to cut off his hand to save his son. Yeah. Like it's such a dark. They did such a nice tone with him. He, he's a, well, he's always been portrayed as a dark character. He's the first one to lose his son, really. And well, I mean, a lot of people. It's gonna. I mean, the general public kind of sees him as a joke character, so it'll be interesting. They do. They, they do. Yeah. I mean, you and I have read, like you know, like you said, the Peter David run, or I mean, mm-hmm. Kurt Busiek did a really good run on Aquaman. Um, I mean, there yeah. there've been a lot of really good you know writers that have done you know, good things with the character, but I mean, it'll be an interesting sell to the public in general. It is. It's like our, our Queen Lantern. Yep. And then, then uh, in 2019, we get a Shazam movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean, we'd heard rumors about before with uh, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson as uh, Black Adam, and, and they then... said different universe, different tone. Well, I I just remember that they said uh, when they were talking about Shazam, um, they said that this would not be in the Justice League universe, so it'll be a different type of. Ed- they'll take it seriously to a point, but it's not going to be that same tone as as the other Superman and. And then Batman. Different tone would be fine, but I'd still like it'd be nice if they just connect it somehow to it, you know. Well, it could be connected, but often it's own little separate area, like Fossil what... City or whatever. And right. it could, I could see their Shazam movie like being a little more kid friendly mm-hmm. than some of the others because of the magical and mystical aspects, and of That's course what they were the, saying. the wish fulfillment of the kid becoming the big superhero. So. And and not to mention, like, uh, even though Harry Potter is considered for kids, that's pretty dark. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. So you can do stuff, you know, like you can take it seriously, but still, you know, but still skate the fence on being um, too dark for kids, I would say. Now, that same year, we're going to get Justice League Part 2, also directed by Zack Snyder. So I guess uh, the two Justice League movies will be just be telling one story, uh, pretty much. Probably. And then in 2020, we get Cyborg starring Ray Fisher with his own movie. Could be cool. And then uh, Green Lantern, another Green Lantern movie in 2020. Obviously a reboot. I doubt they're going to bring back Mark right. Reynolds. Yeah, that's done. Yeah. 
kind of thing. I would, you know what? And this is going to sound, this is a pipe dream. And I know this won't happen, but uh, I would love them to have the John Stewart Green Lantern in this movie. I would too, or or at least have it that they're all already here, like yeah. you know, like they're already established and you know. Well, I I always said that the Green Lantern movie, the the biggest failing of that was the fact that they just told his story from his point of view and mostly on Earth. Then Green Lantern should be told. It shouldn't even just be a Green Lantern. It should be Green Lantern core movie. It should it it should be taking place in space. They're space cops for crying out loud. Let's focus there. Hallelujah. And try not to have your villain be a really mean cloud. Yeah, we learned that in that in Fantastic Four Two and in Green Lantern. So yeah, you you would think they would learn from the Galactus. So that's that's it. That's the rundown for the next you know uh, five or six years of of uh, planned Warner Brothers you know tentpole DC movies. Is Is it too many? Is it overkill? Is it underkill? Hey, it's so spread out. But I what I do think the the deal is going to be is I think whatever. This is only going to get cemented if uh, Dawn of Justice does well. Captain America 3 is not only going to include uh, Robert Downey Jr., but it's been rumored to be uh, adapting uh, Civil War. So you get Batman uh, versus Superman on one side and then Iron Man versus Cap on the other. Well, and I also read somewhere today, of course, it was opinion, so it doesn't really mean anything as far as official, but that uh, this uh, Secret Wars um, redo that they're they're going to be coming out with in the comics next year might be what they're trying to lead the cinematic universe up to through, at, through the Civil War, and then it will lead into this Secret Wars thing. I don't know if that's the case, but I, I would be very happy with that, because Secret Wars has always been one of my favorite little miniseries well that's okay, secret one thing they're doing that crosses dimensions like that has different versions of the the uh marvel characters in it like you have yep. the mc what the, the mcu and m2 well i think marvel cinematic universe has proven they can pretty much throw the craziest stuff out there and it's gonna be awesome pam 2 the winter pam but they haven't thrown the craziest things out there. Like they've pretty much still stayed pretty um, ultimate version of of the heroes. The most far out ver- the most far out movie they've done is Guardians, and that's only because of the two characters, which is the tree and the and the raccoon. But for the most part, they haven't done like different versions of Thor different versions of they they kept away from that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, the alternate timeline stuff has kind of been, you know, off the table so far. Yeah. But um the Secret Wars, the Secret not to go off on too much of a tangent, but that Secret Wars is um it's being written by Jonathan Hickman and that is gonna tie into like his mega story or whatever that started in Fantastic Four through Shield, through uh through Infinity and now through this. So Well to bring it back to D C looking at this list do you and the fact that they're going to have the cyborg film? Do you, do you think that we would see Martian Manhunter anywhere in this? John Jones out there, or do you think it's just going to be left out like they've they haven't left him out of the new Fifty Two, but they've pretty much left him out of Justice League in the new Fifty Two? Still don't. Know. I think it still goes to how well 
Dawn of Justice does with introducing all these other characters. If it if people take to it very well, I could see them feeling a little bit more confident and doing and maybe throwing in, you know, the Martian Manhunter and a couple other characters for the next kind of films or or even I could see them moving this list around because all it takes. I mean, it's so far out that all it takes is, you know, oh, this is doing let's let's get this now. We don't want to wait. And it would um, be it would be almost nothing for them to if there was a breakout character in Justice League Part One, right. say, to like maybe add them to the Flash movie or have mm-hmm. them appear in the you know Aquaman movie or the Cyborg movie. You know, I mean the way right. that we've had the you know, the Marvel characters kind of interact with one another. So I think they want to see what's going to take off, like you know, like what what's going to be the the characters that are really going to take off our screen, and those are the ones that we're gonna. They're not even mentioning Batman and doing a Batman solo. Or Superman solo in this story, but I, you know, I bet you if the, if those are the characters that they like most of all out of everything, and they don't take to um, the other versions of you know Flash or whatever, I can see them saying, well, you know, the hell with that. Let's just do another Batman movie or another Superman movie. They're pretty much built in for them to kind of do you know do that if they have to, like if something. You know, if something doesn't isn't well received like they want, but just parts of it is, they could fix it. Like when you give yourself a list this far ahead, it seems like they're really trying to trying to see what's going to happen with this with this next movie before they just, you know really submit. Yeah, you make a great point. I mean, like I said, this is all this is all hinging on how Batman versus Superman does. You know, mm-hmm. if it you know even if it makes decent money, even if it like breaks even on its promotion money and production money uh, budgets, I don't think it's going to be good enough for them. You know, what I mean, I, I think they really right. are looking for Avengers sized money on this, and they're still cutting back. I mean, they're um, they just announced today that Warner Brothers is cutting is still cutting back because they want to streamline the production company to keep it under a certain budget so that when they whatever money they they want to make a certain amount of money but they also know they have to pull back on how much they spend as well so i could see them in a heartbeat if they have to make a change just make the change because it's it's pressure like every time a, 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 a marvel movie does really well shareholders want their money Right. Well, I mean, the franchises are there. They just haven't been right. You know, they, they taken want to their... the extreme like uh, they have been with the Marvel movies. So. Exactly. So they want, and I don't blame them, but they want their money. But the thing is, you just can't put anything on the screen and then and then it's going to make a billion dollars. I mean, you know, like, you can't go back and plan. Like, the way Marvel did it, it wasn't magic. It was well planning and certain things happened at the right time. If if Robert Downey Jr. God forbid was a washout, you know, like if he remember he wasn't even supposed to be acting anymore. Right. If he was a washout and didn't do well with Iron Man or whatever, there are things that worked in tandem with each other that, and then on top of it, good planning and listening to people and and whatnot, they had a good thing going. Like, DC can't just run because people want it to go like that. They just can't make it happen on screen because people want certain things to happen on screen right away. Or else you get, you know, you know, you get a lot of mistakes or, you know, you get another mess. Right. That sets them back a few, another few years. So. Yeah, I remember when Green Lantern was going to be their Iron Man. Mm-hmm. For them to base all the franchises on. Yeah. Well, 
that's a lot to think about and a lot to lot to lot to uh, digest there. Um, like I said, ten movies over the next uh, you know four or five or five or six years here. All right. Let's move. Uh, let's move on to what the podcast is really all about: the television, though, and to our shows this week. Unless you know anybody has anything else to to add. I mean, I just have a, a couple of broad thoughts about uh, the whole DC franchise, and I, I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer, but um, it seems interesting that that this whole DC movie franchise is based on the fulcrum of this one movie, and you know, I, I've. I'm on record as, as being someone who's I'm not I'm not anti-spoiler, but I don't search them out, and so there's probably a lot I don't know about this upcoming movie that other people do, and I based on what they got out of Superman, which was basically a, uh, a well done but joyless movie. Um, the whole reason that I think the Marvel franchise, uh, the Marvel movie universe took off was because it was fun to go to the theater you had a good time you, you, you literally left with a smile on your face at the end of it and i don't know about you but at the end of superman uh, i mean incredibly well done um it was just it was kind of a beating i mean it's i i've never even considered you know uh, trying to own it or anything and if that's the whole concept i mean I, i've heard it said a couple of times before that the kind of dc's mandate with these movies is you know we're taking this seriously and at this point, they're, I think they're kind of in a corner because Marvel got so far out ahead of them that they can't really afford to copy Marvel's template because that would be base and, and really obvious. So how are the other many directions do you have to go in? And to keep it as serious as Man of Steel, I mean, I'm not going to be interested in seeing all these movies if they're all that grim. Well, yeah, I need a little bit of sunlight in, in these things, and I'm not sure that we're going to get it. I think they tried to follow Marvel's template earlier when they they um, they had a lot of hopes behind Green Lantern being their Iron Man, like, their, did, like yes. their gateway movie, you know, to bring these other franchises in. I mean, they're already talking about a Flash follow-up, like a Brave and the Bold thing before it even came out, and things like that. Um, so, I mean, they, they tried the Marvel template, it didn't work for them, so they really, I mean, they're bringing out their two biggest guns, Batman and Superman, to start, you know, to kickstart this, um, you know, this new, uh, you know, franchise of movies, and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much the opposite of what uh, Marvel did, you know, they worked their way, Marvel worked their way to, towards a team of all their heroes, I mean, they're starting out with a team, and then disseminating yes. the heroes from that, so, it'll be interesting and, to see if the strategy works for them. Yeah, for the record... I hope it works out because there's enough room in this world for, you know, Marvel and DC film universes, and uh, I'll um, I'll buy my tickets. You know, assuming that uh, I don't walk out of the theater feeling like I've been punished for something, um, I will enjoy going to see the movies. So all I'm saying, I guess, is um, I'm just I'm concerned. There's just you know, if DC had a track record to trust, you know, the, the whole reason they could kind of stretch their wings with some weird stuff with uh, Guardians was because they had uh, built up so much, you know, positive emotional equity with the audience through just sheer hard work, you know, uh, going through Captain America and Iron Man and, and, and all those uh, all those crazy guys. Uh, I just think they, they proved it, and what they've done has been a, a gradual build, which is kind of shocking in this day and age. Um, so, you know, again, for DC, it's kind of a bad sign that Marvel, I don't think they could have done it any better. So 
Marvel has already kind of busted the curve before DC even gets to get started. So I just I think they're behind the eight ball, and I'll you know I'll pull for them hard on this one because I want it to work out and be watchable. True. Well, it's all in the personnel. It's all in the crew and your creative teams that get behind it. I mean, if you didn't have, like Jim said earlier, if you didn't have Robert Downey Jr. and you didn't have um, um, Favreau and you didn't have Feige and all these different aspects that came into it, I mean, they're truly what made it what it is. I mean, it, it wasn't just a strategy of Marvel itself as a company or a strategy as Disney itself. Of course, it wasn't Disney yet then, right? And... I, you know, it, it has to do with hiring the right kind of talent. And if anything, DC has proven over the last couple of years, they're, they're, they're not hiring they're not all the, the not all the Marvel films were that so great. OK, um, they were good enough that people were there to a broad audience. They were, you know, they were appealing to a broad audience enough that it got good numbers. But. Thor when Thor one was okay, but it really was. I don't think it was such a strong film. Same thing with Iron Man two. I don't think that, that that was such a strong film. But you liked the characters enough, you liked the actors enough that it that it did get a good audience to go see it. But even people that liked it knew that it was weak. But well, both um, those both those movies made more money than they expected. It did. I'm, I'm saying, but I'm saying I think that each film built on it and it had the right cast and stuff but when people look back on it they weren't the strongest of films like cat 2 strong cat 2 was powerful as a film i think it was really well done um the same thing with avengers i think avengers was to me almost perfect i think that uh captain america was a was a good film that was a stepping stone to how well the second film did, and I think Thor The Dark World was a much better film than Thor 1 was. I think it really opened it up. Really? That's interesting. I I think I, I uh, Thor had to grow on me, but I really got to the point where I, I really appreciated what Kenneth Branagh uh, did with that movie. And of course, you know, Hemsworth uh, was perfect casting. Um, and uh, the second movie, I want to love it. Um, it's just a little bit more fractured, I think. And, and I agree that, that these movies by themselves were not all, you know, five stars necessarily. Um, <laughs> reverse flashes. Sorry, where am I going? Every movie that they've done, which you can look at and say, that scene rocked and that scene rocked. And okay, you know, maybe I didn't like, you know, maybe it, Thor dragged in the middle as he was trying to get his hammer back and it was raining and he was sad. And, you know, I, I'll give you that. But, you know, the scene with the destroyer was so strong and this scene back here was so strong. And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's like an album. You know, at worst, I think these Marvel movies were like an album, you know, of, of 12 songs were, you know, four or five of them were just outstanding. Right. And I'm saying it as someone that owns all the food. I own all the Marvel movies myself. Like, I own them yeah. all. So I, I, it's not that I don't like them, but I know right. there's some movies stronger than others. And I don't want all the tones to be the same. Right. Like, I know I love Man of Steel. I came out of the movie theater. I watched it so many times and I came out of it really enjoying the world but i know that to others to a lot too. of people it was too dark for them i did too i don't mind the dark i like i, I like 
something like that. It wasn't too dark for me. The same thing with Guardians was the opposite. I thought Guardians was a little too campy for me, but it was it was a opening for for everybody to go watch it. It was big enough, and it invited people to go see it, and people loved the film, and it made a boatload of money. So they don't like. I don't want everything to kind of try to duplicate. I don't want DC to do what Marvel is doing. Let Marvel do what Marvel does. Let DC does what it does. And if and I think in my mind, if this fails, if the Justice Dawn of Justice fails, I think they'll just go to TV and stay there. Well, they'll be fine with me because we got some good episodes this week, actually. <laughs> nice segue. Professional. Well, my final thought on the subject is DC missed the boat by not having Plastic Man be their Iron Man movie. And you're the only one who, thought, who thinks that. <laughs> Come on, I want Plastic yeah, if Man. You want, if you have $50 million, you can go make a Plastic Man movie. You know <laughs> and you do. Let me check my piggy bank. <laughs> you can get out there and make it yourself. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of DC stuff coming. We'll see We'll see what we see from it, you know. Um, speaking of DC and the universe, let's talk about Gotham. Uh, the episode yes. this week was Arkham. It's episode number four. Definitely an improvement from last week, eh, guys? Yep. Yep. Yes. They got the tone, they, they, they got them swung in a little bit better in the right direction. And now this is the kind of stuff I was hoping to see more of on Arkham, the kind of interplay between the Maroni and Falcones, you know, the, the kind of like mafia stuff going on with the corruption and, and, you know, the root of the corruption and why it's being, you know, why, you know, Gotham has so much, you know, corruption at its core, you know, yeah. some of the reasoning and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool about this episode. And it, it kind of will show. It kind of will show when Batman uh, does eventually, when he does come to save the day, as they say. It, it kind of shows how Gotham really is going to turn into what it is. I mean, it's bad, but now it's really like the way that Arkham will be affected. You know, I like how it was something that his parents were going to really do to help people and how it's gotten shifted like arkham has never in the comics or whatever they've never been able to do anything good with, with arkham it's interesting I, I just thought it was cool they were able to tie in not only arkham but the the corrupt mayor the mm -hmm. falcones the moronis and the waynes and kind of make the you know make the waynes part of the story you know what i mean they uh, need now, we, now we have a motive you know we yeah, didn't really you... have that before uh with the waynes killing now we have a motive Okay, now do you think the mayor <clears throat> was was crooked the whole time and was just playing uh, our characters? I mean, I, my just first impression, and yeah, because I hadn't considered that. Uh, I just kind of made the assumption that um, he's the mayor of Gotham, of course. Plus, I mean, there was a whole scene where he was in his office trying to get everything out of his safe, all these folders and files and giant stacks of cash. Mm -hmm. Would he? I mean, would he risk his own life getting all that stuff out of the safe if it wasn't something that was going to damn him? Or the mayor of Gotham? I, I mean, he is the mayor of Gotham, like I was saying. So he's got to be corrupt. I mean, Gotham is corrupt all through its 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 political system, its government, everything like that. I don't know that he necessarily was on the corrupt take side of either of them at the beginning of this Arkham deal. But I think through the evolution of everything that was happening, somebody did get to him. 
um, somebody that, you know, I'm sure it's he owes somebody a favor and they owe him a favor and there's just favors all the way around. And to the point of, you know, I'm wondering, like it's insinuated that Bruce is wondering, was his parents death? a result of what was going on well, with I, this I, deal. I do agree. I think the mayor was, yeah. I think he was already kind of crooked anyway, and he took cutbacks from people generally, but I think that it really did scare him into doing this. Uh, oh, yeah. By the assassination. Oh, yeah. That would really made him make that decision, because he was scared for his life, and I think that'll affect him how he acts for the rest of the of the season, if he even survives the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't remember if this uh, is this mayor's character. Is he someone who's been in the comics, um, or is this a? I don't uh, remember TV hearing his name, reading his name mentioned before. I don't. They definitely. I don't think this version of the mayor. I don't think this version of the mayor has been in the comics before. I could be mistaken, but they I don't really think don't talk about the mayor too okay. much in the in the comics. Really, like they don't yeah. go past the commissioner yeah. and whoever they make a mayor. Usually, you know, he's not going to be there long. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, they've had, what, 75 some odd years I to include. Anyway, this one was written by Bruno Heller, who's written all of the episodes so far, but it was directed by T.J. Scott, not Danny Cannon, who's done a lion's share of the episodes. Uh, 8.5 is the rating so far on IMDb for this episode of Gotham. What did you guys think, yay or nay? And we got to see also, uh, you know, and the, this is probably, I'm probably the only person that was bothered by this, but you, there's no way you could promote a dishwasher to a restaurant manager. Okay. There's just no way. I, I know I'm the only person that bothered, but it bothered me. I mean, I don't care how much money you saved for you. Um, if you wanted the restaurant to, to run, that there's no way. And the only thing I didn't like about the Penguin storyline was at the end, when he brings the guys the cannolis, those are got, got to be the dumbest criminals in the world to fall for that. As soon as he gave them all the cannolis, I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? They're going to do this? I thought the cannolis, he was just going to shoot them. I like I thought he had a gun somewhere and he was just gonna come in and just shoot them all. But I didn't actually think that he would get away with Well, we already had Gotham's dumbest victim in this episode. I mean, a guy hands you some mysterious looking thing he screws together and you go put it up to your eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean Overall, I thought that this episode was a huge leap back to where it needs to be from last week, and I really like Jim. You were saying the whole thing of, with the dealings between the Falcone, the Marconi family, all of that stuff going on. I'm loving that. That's the Gotham that that I want as well. I just want them to get rid of some of the camp stuff and some of the cliche stuff, like the two cartons must be important thing when they talk to the guy in prison or uh, when uh, Marconi says, you know, all they're doing is throwing us scraps, but now we feast. And then he grabs that steak with his hand and takes a big chunk. I mean, that is so campy to me and so cheesy. Um, it, if they're going to take it uh, somewhat serious, it's fine to have a little bit of levity, but let's not get cliche and now the thing with fish with the uh, training or picking the her weapon is she is she making her own version of harley quinn she's definitely trying to make a hench hench girl of she seems to be like i it seems like she's making her own like 
version of like or, Mata, or no, she's like her own Matahari. It's like her own Matahari. Or something like that. I, just the whole thing of you have to be sexy, you have to be able to be dangerous, you have to be willing to kill. Yeah, I thought that uh, that that fight scene between uh, between the uh, the the two prospective employees, I thought was I, I kind of sat there and my eyes got kind of big, and I said, "Are they really gonna do this?" And then. Uh, the the first uh, the first audition auditioner uh, turns uh, and says, you know, basically, are we really supposed to do this? <laughs> you know? And then the other one just goes over and just starts pounding on her, and uh, you know, it, it, it really echoed. I, I don't know if that was you know just um, just a happy accident, but you know, for for me to go to think something, which I think is fairly obvious like that. It's like, are they really going to have this scene? Are they really going to, you know, do a cat fight? And then the actor turns the, basically to the camera and says, are we really having a cat fight here? I just thought it was kind of a, a, a real odd moment. Uh, it, it actually didn't take me out of it. Um, if anything, uh, some of the, uh, again, this, this series is grim enough that I don't want to show it to my kids, at least not my seven-year-old, which is a shame. Um, but it's the, the moments uh, like that that, to me, uh, make it fun enough to watch that I can, you know, I can get through the, 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 the emotional uh, grimness of just kind of the whole world. Because you know that, you know, poor Jim Gordon is, you know, he doesn't even know, you know, how bad he's getting screwed, you know, behind his back, uh, you know, with the, the fiance or is it ex-fiance by now? I don't know. Um, I guess at some point they pretty much have to get together. So, so my, my only real, I'm sorry, my only real problem with this, uh, with this Gotham thing is that it's just, you know, once again, it's the insane, uh, amount of prequelitis that it just the the whole you know it almost seems like a waste of time to watch this because you're not necessarily going to learn anything new i mean you know it's it's reading the the you know house of trades harcona carino books from the expanded dune series and it's it's episodes one two and three it's just you know we know where it's headed and so I'm not going to learn anything new. So, you know, it, it almost feels when I really get down and try to analyze it, that I'm kind of wasting my time watching the show. Um, with that said, I'm amazed at how it's not learn. It's not learning something new. You don't want to learn something new necessarily. It's we've had all these versions of lore from the Batman universe and from Gotham going back 75 years. I want to be entertained by getting to visually see that played out. And instead, we're getting this underlying plot and, and arc story arc going on that has so much promise but then we just get all this camp and goofiness and cliches and and um jada pinkett smith trying to do her best <laughs> eartha kit voice as this ridiculous fish mooney character i want i mean to me when i buy this on dvd or blu-ray i i want to go in and find a way i want to cut all of her scenes and i bet that the entire show will still be fine i uh, had a, a friend once who uh, back in the old VHS days he would uh, he was also an engineer but he would take uh, next generation episodes and he would cut out any scene that had uh, Wesley in it and um, you know a lot of those that a lot of that first season those episodes went fast brother <laughs> but the thing with the show is if you go into it thinking you're gonna get something new stop watching it now 
I like there's no I don't unless they totally change everything and make it different. I don't like I don't see how you could expect the show to kind of change the mythos of Batman. I like I don't think I think we talked about that on a previous episode. I like uh Somebody said, you know, what if this, I think Frank, it was last time, said, you know, what if um, this story had started out with the, you know, Bruce Wayne being killed? Right, that would, and, yeah. And, you know, the Thomas and Martha Wayne, Wayne being, yeah, or, you know what I mean? And you're saying um, there'd never be a Batman, and then that's a whole nother show. But to actually, well, well, to build the show. Point, at that point, it's it's Thomas Wayne at that point, and you're on Earth 2 now, right? Exactly. So, But to, to have a show that you know is going to be, you know, you're saying Gotham and how Jim kind of builds himself into who he's going to be at the same time that Gotham kind of solidifies itself as being the horrible place that it is. Um, I don't like what can you, I mean, I really can't, if you're going into it with that, wanting to see something totally different from what you've seen before with this, I don't see what else they could do with, without changing the whole thing. I, I think for me, I'm just, I was willing to give it a chance. I was almost reluctant to start watching the show. It's like, you know, can I carve another hour out of my life? Blah, 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 you know. Uh, and so I, I find myself, uh, you know, I'm smiling when I say that I'm really, I'm surprised at how strong I think the show is and how much I enjoy it. And that's great, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm really having a lot of fun. And to me, you know, a lot of the campy, you know, it's just, the show's just meaty. It, it almost feels like a network version of the freaking Sopranos. And I mean that as a compliment. But it just, it it's better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's just, you know, the, I mean, everything about it, it's just well done. You know, I mean, the, the, the directing and the acting and the, the writing is good enough and, and the set design and the, you know, the, 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 the lighting. It is a sexy, pretty Absolutely, show. absolutely. It's a gorgeous show. And that helps a lot. You know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily look like uh, it should be on Fox. You know, I mean, it looks like something you expect to see on HBO, frankly. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, I, I consider all these things compliments and I, I don't mean to sound like I'm kvetching, you know, about, you know, I, I'm not trying to nitpick here. I just, it's just, these are just thoughts that have been kind of shading my reaction to this whole series. And, and to find that I'm enjoying it so darn much is surprising to me. Um, but, you know, I'm enjoying it. So it, it's all good. The one thing that could kind of play with that hasn't really ever too much been established is, what is Gordon's and his wife's relationship pre-Batman? Okay. So you kind of okay. get a sense of that. Because she hasn't really been... She's usually been the one who just leaves... Like, she's there, they have marital problems, and then she's gone. You know, she usually leaves... I'm ready for her to leave. I'm ready so, for her to leave so bad. You, you gotta have the kid first. Can't just kick her out. Man. Well, yeah, I I agree, but I I don't know the, the way she acted, the whole thing that she's leaning on her excuse for not telling him is because she was a woman, and then she's throwing things in his face and giving him ultimatums about, you know, you need to let me in on everything that's going on, basically. Well, I'm a freaking cop. I do not need to let you in, and I've already proven that by by telling you something, and you've gone to the damn newspapers with it. But I you mean, know what? To, to be <laughs> fair, though, on her end, 
they kind of dealt with it as a as an they kind of dealt with it better than that. I don't think he was just as mad because and I'm I'm glad that she just said, "Yeah, I was with a woman for a year. Is that your problem?" And I don't even think that that was the problem. I think what made him so angry is she is coming after me because of you. It's not even about me anymore. This is why she's so adamant about me being a crooked cop because she's no, a I, I get that. I'm just saying the whole thing. It's the typical, and maybe it's because I've just been, you know, soured on my opinion with past relationships I've had. But for her to come and sit there and say, you need to be honest with me, you need to do this, and the whole time, the real reason she's saying this to him is she wants him to admit who the who um uh cobble pot is mm-hmm. and all this stuff she's she's dancing around the issue well woman if you want it if you want honesty in the relationship tell him she told me you killed this guy did you do it and obviously you know i mean jim is not all right either and they they show this in the show because he never once said to her there are things that I can't tell you because this town, they'll kill you. Like, I, there are things I have to do so that they do not kill you. She doesn't know how much danger she's in because I'm still waiting for him to tell her this. Like, if this is supposed to be the woman you're going to be with, I don't want her to walk around and not know how she's in a dangerous situation because I'm not always there. You get what I'm saying? Like, she, and I like I, how, I get it. Oh, I'm, I just... I just want her to squirt out the two kids and then be gone. I'm, I'm ready I, for it. But I like how the show is is dealing with that he's not handling everything right either. He's still learning just like she is. Like, they're, he's still trying to figure out how do I not be honest because he is an honest guy. And, and now he's had to change who he, how, who he was, who he is as a person. He's had he to tried to be honest with her and she went to the newspapers yeah he was you know but he didn't, i just but i don't know said to her, she's coming from a thing of her life's never been in danger she's never had that threat she has no idea that i was sitting in a meat uh factory and i was this close to being shot to death like you you're holding valuable True. information from her that she should have gotten. Now, if she does the same mess after you told her this, how dangerous this is, I'm done. Because you're going to get us both killed. But to not tell her these things, I think I kind of like how it's dealing with it. How about this? So well, overall, we, yay or nay? Sorry. I'm just going to just where I was going, dude. Okay. <laughs> you just crashed my segue. Into <laughs> So, uh, episode four of Arkham, yay or nay, guys? Yay. Yay. Yay, yay-ish. <laughs> I give it to like, two yays up. It's like a check minus. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely okay, the 180 about... from last week, and that's that's made me happy. I just, there's still a lot of issues I'm having with it, but I'm well, I'm in for the ride. I'll say this. I'm surprised how good it is, and uh, I think that we're all kind of surprised at how good the ratings are, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, not only, not only – well, we'll talk about the ratings on the shows after we kind of go go through them, but not only did it get a full season order, but it set a, a ratings record for the plus seven mm-hmm. ratings, which is people that watch it within seven days on a DVR or on a, on a digital service. Good for them. But we'll get a – 
we'll crunch all the numbers later because we have some uh, good news about The Flash, too, which is what we're going to be talking about next. Yeah, yeah. Episode 2, The Fastest Man Alive is the uh, the title of the episode. Um, uh, directed by David Nutter and re- written by Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg and, uh, of course, Jeff Johns, who are the, developing the, the show. And you can tell because this was another great episode. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys agree? I thought it was excellent. Oh, absolutely. I will say that um, as much as I'm surprised at how much I like uh, Gotham, um, I'm I'm finding Flash. It's a good show. It's a uh, it's a comic book uh, instead of uh, The Sopranos. So it's kind of a it, it almost feels like a different medium. Um, with that said, it's highly enjoyable, but there are a couple things about this show that are going to wear on me if it continues like, um, the, so I, I give it a couple of minor downgrades and we can get to that, I guess, here as we go along. Okay. What I, what, 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 I mean, I could go, go into ahead. it right now too. Mainly it's just, it's the, 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 uh, the, the team they've got around him. Um, I like, um, I like wheelchair dude. Um, I can take the, the the building guy, but man, that that uh, Penna, uh, what's her name? Michelle Pennebaker, whatever. Dan- Danielle. Danielle Pennebaker. Okay. Yeah, she Caitlin's was in Sky now. High. I thought she was good in that. Um, I I want somebody. I, I want Professor Zoom to jiggle his hand through her brain and end it for all of us. I can't take her. She, her character is written. So one note, it just, I really look at her character and I just, it makes me, it's almost makes me mad watching her. We're only two episodes in. I don't know where this is going to go, but But they're going to have to redeem her character somehow, but she is so insanely annoying. She makes up for not being in it the entire 42 minutes. It's amazing. Bill, but she's the, right. the one the one note thing that's yeah. that that that's on purpose I think because that's going mm-hmm. to inform who she's going to become in this show we're two okay. episodes in they're not right now we're establishing Barry let's not you okay. know and they give it give it time uh, I mean like, I agree like she, she is a, she's annoying but I think she's supposed there to be annoying know. to us well, and like, she's like with, so and, you know and she wasn't wrong <laughs> she well, was right'll well, give her I'll give her a chance, but uh, I could not handle the fact that, um, you know, he, uh, the Flash at the beginning of the episode, um, pulls people out of a burning building who almost uh-huh. certainly otherwise would have died. What's her reaction? You're supposed to be here at the lab running tests. What are you doing out there freelancing? It's like he saved lives, you dumb. Did but, I Bill, that's something? not what she said. What she said was. You, we agreed that you were going to go after only metahumans because you are the only one that has the ability to fight them. We don't know how your powers. We don't know how your powers work. We don't know if they could give up on you at any time. We don't know if they're killing you at the same time. She was the only one concerned about Barry. Okay, by the end of the episode, she's totally on board. Once she's like at the beginning of the episode, she's uh, I'll give you the beginning of the episode. She's kind of prickly. Mm-hmm. She catches Cisco's character or uh, Cisco Ramon, like helping him out with the you know the the computers or whatever. But then by the end of the episode, when he like tells them that you know they're behind him or whatever, she's totally on board by them because they figured I mean, out. What, because you have to look at look at the whole episode. We want Barry to run in there and save everybody, 
but she's his doctor. She's been the one taking care of him all the time he's been in his if, coma. So she and if think this about was, it this way. Go ahead. Are you reading the the current and it's Marvel, but are you reading the current Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, no, Bill? I haven't written a few. I, I've not. Okay, well, anyway, Pete, Peter Parktopus's old girlfriend, who is now advising the real Peter Parker, goes to point out, hey, when he was doing his things in your body, he he was making selections of and being selective in what he does because you can't do everything and save everybody at the same mm-hmm. time. And she proves it by having a police radio. And they listen, and he's like, oh, I need to go to that that crime that's going on, or oh, I need to go to that fire. And then she's like, hold on. And then all of a sudden you hear, hey, fire's taken care of, and the police are like, cancel the backup and all that stuff. And that's the point she was trying to make to him about the whole burning building and stuff Mm -hmm. is there are firemen, there are policemen, there are other people that will take care of this stuff. Those people can't take care of a guy who splits himself into six versions of himself. Okay, right. and and that's her point. And so, I mean, yes, she is kind of an annoying in the way that she delivers her things, but she's very bitter right now. She just mm-hmm. lost her fiancé nine months ago to the very thing that gave him powers. So I get her bitterness, and, and but she's making the point of you are not Superman. And even Superman can't be everywhere at once. Okay, and, I, and we see that really well in that scene in this episode where he gets beat up on uh, you know, on multiplex right. the first time he meets him, and then has to run away and just kind of you know uh, lick his wounds or whatever. But I mean, Caitlin Snow's character is going to be our way into Firestorm because her her uh, fiance yep. was Ronnie Raymond. And I love and what I like even in this conversation we've had just now, how animated it got about yeah, no doubt, man. I was like, because Whoa. you care about Barry, and like the show already kind of establish how much you care about Barry and even his stepfather his stepdad or his foster father at first I caught myself getting mad at him how he was talking to Barry but then I had to pull back too because she comes from the same place as Caitlin does I don't want you to die <laughs> like even though she's she treats him pretty mean her whole point is I don't want you to die like we and the we, thing- I was just going to say, the thing is, is these shows, this and tonight's uh, episode of Arrow go to further show kind of what we got a little bit in Smallville, but not quite as satisfying that that all of these metahumans and superheroes and vigilantes and costume heroes are going out there and they're doing their best to save everybody. That's their mission in life. They're here to protect their city. And now we're getting actual uh, uh, opposition to that by their supporting teams. We're mm-hmm. actually not just seeing the Flash. We're seeing the Flash and Friends, the Arrow and Friends. And mm-hmm. and it's bringing that humanity into it. I mean, Arrow gets a little too CW-ish at, at times. And Flash, it's more an actual, we care about you. We care about what you're doing. We care about making sure you do it safely. Yeah. We don't want you hurt. And, but we fully support what you're trying to do. We just need to do it as a team and think this out. Like I knew, I knew that he was passing out because of the food thing and the metabolism. I kind of assumed it. Mm -hmm. And that's only because years of reading the comic to Wally West. Cause you never had that with Barry in the comic. So it's really cool that they brought that in. Yeah. But they don't have a, there's no rule book. There's the only one that knows his future is crazy scientist guy. Kind of. 
Like, no one else, there is no, you know, map to he's going to be fine, he's going to be able to do this, he's going to be able to do that. Like, she's legitimately worried about what's happening with him, just like his step, his, his dad was, his stepdad is. Like, and I, and I need to see that, like, I don't, you know, like, I want to see Barry running around doing everything, but I also, we also need to see the limitations like if he could just run around and just do everything it kind of be like well okay then his show should his episode should take two seconds because he'd be Uh, able to beat everybody i I kind of i i see what you're saying and i agree with you i think maybe a better way to say uh maybe a better way to phrase my issues uh with the flash to this point are just that um it, it is it is a little too cw it's not as bad as smallville um it's not as bad as season one of Arrow, um, but uh, you know, the the characters are there just aren't enough shades of gray in these characters. It's like you know the bitter doctor, and oh. you've got the genius, you know, who could build anything, and he's in the the most classic comic book way that you possibly you could. And they're I, building I, this ensemble. Give me one second, Daryl. And, and and the thing is, is they're doing it so smart. Like right now, one of the things that I see people complaining about, oh, is he going to constantly have to deal with people? Every, every metahuman comes from the whole accident with the – with the the reactor and all that other stuff and the lightning. Well, no, I don't think that's going to be forever, but I think what they're doing right now is they're giving us this kind of a freak of the week sort of thing coming from that in order to kind of establish Barry and those characters, and they're building in pieces at a time very smartly, I might add. And then eventually, probably mid-season or a little before, hopefully, we're going to start seeing an overarching story arc that's going to have to do with one specific villain or one specific set of villains. And that's what they're building to. They could not write this any smarter than they're doing. They could not shoot it any better. I mean, there are scenes that have been acted out in these two episodes that, to me, should at least be submitted for Emmy uh, consideration. The scene last week between Barry and his father in the prison, the scene this week with uh, him between him and his surrogate father um just those different things like what daryl was saying i mean it, it's speaking to the emotions it's yeah this is the way a comic book story on television should be written and uh, i think right now it is the best scripted television show on network tv okay i i, I love at this time i love your i love your emotion response is uh, a this is a really enjoyable show i really dig this show but a i'm not wrong and b these characters to this point are basically all ciphers it, it reminds me of marvel agents of shield where it's like hey i'm the sassy one who's a computer genius and oh i'm the brooding you know hulk who's the you know i i you know i'm a, a you know navy seal and okay here's the here's the two scientists that are 16 but they're geniuses you know it's just it just it, it feels like the characters are just they're they're not written deep enough, and I assume that they'll fix that over the course of the series. But to this yeah. point, uh, a lot of them I are annoying, and uh, I'm willing to give them a chance to, well, to I, you know, get over that and start shading these characters in. Well, I would say you, you're going to get some – everything is going to have some soap opera in it. Like, you, you're going to get some of that. Like, just, Absolutely. Every comic we read, you're going to have you're going to have it. And I do think – it's a habit to look for it probably more because it says CW on it. 
than if it was on no. uh, an NBC okay. or a CBS or uh, we're more Maybe sensitive to the soap opera CW. stuff. No, no, no. But it's just, it's a fair assessment to make. But when I even think about it, I I was thinking about when I saw Eric. We know he's in love with Iris. The yes. only I timed it. The only Iris Barry thing that you had to deal with really was when he went super fast and she kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? And he went super fast and was like talking to her without talking to her, like telling her the truth without ta- telling her the truth Yeah, that about was how he I felt. That, thing. that was like five, that was maybe ten, 10 seconds. And it was on to the next thing. Like it really, yeah. it was more about, more about his quest to, to about his father. Like it, you really hits home how much, he how much it, it it really affected him as a child his father and how much he never stopped believing in his dad and now they have these abilities it kind of reaffirms what he thought and then to have that connection with his surrogate dad because they could have written it as the the surrogate dad just being a, a pain in the behind all day like barry you can't do this because he got a they were really writing it like barry you you can't do this. You can't do that. You don't know how to be a superhero. You don't know how to do this. But they cut it and they, they took care of it in one episode where the guy was like, look, <laughs> you have to stop. Like, you're limiting him and what he can do. It's like you got you to gotta come at it a different way. And he did because he, he really and then you got the whole thing where he basically was like, I'm going to work with you to figure out how to get your dad out of jail. Other shows, we would it would have taken half the season or to the exactly. end of the season to get that way. Like Arrow, Arrow, because it was the first of its kind, really, on the network, it took all the way to the end to finally get the father to be like, well, you saved my daughter a hundred million times. Maybe you're not such <laughs> a jerk and I should not, I should stop going after you. Like, it happened so many times. That I think Flash is kind of has the benefit of seeing what worked and what didn't work on Arrow, and you and even I, I with saving people, more. even with the saving people, automatic we got him saving a, a whole building of people second episode as opposed to Arrow going well maybe you should you should have stopped the mugger like you should help people. No, I got to do the list. I got to do the list. You should help people. And that took till the second season for him to kind of get in his head. Well, maybe I should do more than just do the list. Like, it it really, you know, like we had to go through things and you knew what was coming. Flash, they kind of got it out the way. Barry is totally different person. Plus, he got he was able to be a fanboy about Arrow. And he's like, I want to be a hero. I want to save people. It's not about me being... Famous, I want to save people. That's yeah. who Barry well, is. And, and what it is, and I think this is the point that you're trying to make, too, is with Arrow, they had CW had to sell their usual fan fo- or viewership following on this superhero show. Right, it did, yeah. A comic book and show. And it worked. <laughs> and they did it. And yeah. They, as annoying some of it was to us, like you said, the slow burn over the first season and stuff, 
It worked to bring them in. They're here. They love it. It's just like now with Marvel. People trust the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they're going to get a good product because they've they've built that trust. CW built the trust with the audience using Arrow, and now they don't have to do that with Flash. They can just you know you know balls out, go straight forward now, and just just give us the ride that we need, comic book style. And throw on top of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to throw it real quick. Throw it on top of that. They had to deal with the issues they had with Smallville, where people were saying, damn it, we do want to see people, we do want to see superheroes with powers on TV. We want it. Give it to us. Like, we want it. Like, we can handle it. It's okay. They had to deal with a lot of that with Smallville to get to this. Oh, yeah. Well, it took five years before he even flew, and that was by accident, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was odd. He had to. His body was taken over by another person, and that yeah. was the out of him flying. So I yeah. mean, and I watched all of Smallville, bet, and I wanted him to fight more metahumans, but you had to go through a whole progression. So everything gets a little further. But we're gonna see. But I'm, I, you know, you're gonna see some some soap opera stuff with him and Iris. It's gonna come. Yeah. See, he's in love with this girl. Oh, sure. I mean, and so you got you got to develop some of that more. And that makes it even more it makes it even more um, sad for for Barry that he is such a good guy. Like I really love how this kid, this 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 guy is such a likable person quickly, without be without it being ham fisted that he's a likable person. Yeah, he's I, not I bullied. And what I also like is that we didn't have to go through a whole thing of him being bullied constantly. He was bullied a little bit in the in the the beginning of the first episode. We got that, but what they threw on top of that was he was bullied because he tried to help some kids that were getting attacked. The characters in Flash are just they're they're shallower. That just means that they're they're written more simply. There's not as many layers to them, uh, at least not yet, and that's okay. I think uh, a little bit of it is, you know, I watched Gotham right before I watched Flash, and again, Gotham just has a different feel. Um, so I think that this show is is really fun to watch, and I would definitely recommend to people they need to be watching this show if they like the genre, uh, and it won't let them down. But it's just it, it's it's just it's a different style of storytelling. You know, it's just, the layers it, it, it are is, there. It is Bill. a CW. It's... Well, it, and again, I'll give it time to develop. But yeah, but little just, by it little. is a more it is a more. And I'm sorry if I'm beating the subject to death. I truly am. But no, it, just, we it feels like a more CW. Well, it just feels like a more thank you. It feels like a more CW style of storytelling, where the characters are just written in, in a more straightforward way. You know, I think there's genre television. I think yeah, they're I, giving I, us the onion from the layers on the inside out instead of peeling the layers of the onion outside in, and that's what's good about it. And there's okay. a corniness to the show. Like I'm watching it, and there is a corniness to the show. Like it does get really corny. Well, and, and what I like about it, I don't have well, a problem like, with it. But. Well, like the Marvel movies, like I was, you know, I, I was mentioning about uh, Man of Steel, that it was joyless. Uh, this show is far from that. This show is fun. This show is, uh, you know, this is kind of what I was hoping to get out of it. Um, you know, what are you in, complaining in terms of my about? General feel. <laughs> um, I, I just, I'm, I'm just bringing stuff up now. I, I'm still, uh, I, I see what you said about the doctor chick. Uh, I still want her to get her brain vibrated apart by Professor Zoom. Um, if we could well, do that, that would it be should cool. be perfect. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, it makes for a nice special effect. So maybe we could get on that. Um, but no, I, I really like the show, uh, you know, and I just I just think that that the issues I have with it, you know, are substantive enough that, you know, maybe people out there in, in you know, podcast land, uh, you know, consider this a fair warning if they haven't, div, you know, dove into it yet. And maybe this is the kind of thing that, you know, maybe me saying this helps someone get over it before they, you know, have their preconceptions, you know, cemented in. Maybe they can say, okay, well, you know, this, the, the character, the, the complexity of the character is not going to be as deep as on Gotham, you know, because it's going to be more of a comic book than like an episode of The Sopranos. And that's fine, you know. So maybe if you have more of an, you know, if your expectation can be a little broader based on this information, you know, then maybe I'm just doing a public service and I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, bitchy fanboy. I think I think with I think with episodic TV, uh, Bill, you know, you have it's a slower burn as far as character development. You don't have to have the conciseness and the brevity that you have in a movie or you know a one hour um, you know presentation or whatever. You have a whole season to you know at first you can paint them with very broad strokes, but as the season goes by, you can fill them in with more detail. And I think that's what you're seeing now. I mean, you use the uh, example of Shield. I mean, yeah, they were all stock characters from Joss Whedon's, you know, bag of tricks at the beginning of the first season. But now in the big, uh, you know, in the you know halfway through the second season, those characters, you know, have grown over the time. You have a lot more time to let the characters breathe and kind of, you know, evolve over time with episodic television, you know, rather than a movie or something, you know, in a shorter format. You know, and, and, and this is and this is only the second episode. I mean, you know, as we as she ties into the subplot, you know, with Ronnie Raymond and all the other stuff, you know, we're going to see more character development on her part. And I mean, as in the, you made the point about you know overarching stories or whatever down the road. I think we're already seeing the overarching right. the first overarching story with Harrison Wells. Mm-hmm. I mean, he stabs William Sadler and plays Simon Stagg at the end. You know, because you know, you know, of what the Flash is going to become. And he'll be a threat. And I think, yeah. I think, and I think we have our reverse Flash now. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it's possible. But I, I could just say the awesomeness of this episode can be summed up in two words, and that is cosmic treadmill. Nice. Mm. That was a yeah. Nice... I forgot about. I was going to want to mention that it's in my notes. Yeah. It was a nice thing to throw. I don't. You still. I. I still don't know if he'll be the, the reverse flash. He might be. He might be trying to create. The reverse flash. For all we know, we don't know. But I mean, but I like that we don't know yet. Like we, it's still. You're still questioning. Like I want to believe this guy's a good guy, even even until up until he he stabbed the guy, like he really played it. Very well up until he stabbed Stag, and even when he stabbed no. Stag, I'm still thinking. I know from the comics this dude was a jerk anyway. Well, not only the not only the fact that he did stab Stag, but the reason. Yeah, to keep him. Safe. You know, it wasn't that he had you know done these terrible things to this guy Danton mm-hmm. Black, or you know watched him kill, uh, made him watch his his wife die before his eyes and all this other stuff. It wasn't because of that. He killed him to make the Flash become the Flash. Yeah. That was his reason. Yep. That was his motive. And if that doesn't sound like well, you know, reverse too. flash to remember you, said, it sure does to me. What he said <laughs> to keep the flash safe. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking it probably is, but it's still. I think that they could totally take a left turn on us and it not be so. And that's what's great about this is there's so much we can speculate and at the same time be surprised by. And I thought it was a strong episode even without that stinger. Oh yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I do. I do. And I like I like Iris, too. Like I that has been a problem with the CW to me, too. And I think, Jim, you agree with me and, and, and a lot of other people have been saying how the female characters have been kind of weak. With Arrow, like with Laurel and stuff. Except and, for Felicity. I was going to say we're seeing a little bit more. Well, Felicity's Felicity, strong. But... That's why I didn't mention her. I'm just talking about Laurel and and Speedy, the sister. Right. Those two yeah. female characters have been pretty weak in terms of the way they've done it. But they've changed. They, they've added the sister and they've added um, and Felicity being on the show. She continues to be strong. And I think picking this, picking the actress for Iris and the way that she is, I think she's also strong, too. Like, I, I, she doesn't come off as being annoying or selfish or mean. Like, she just really doesn't know that Barry's in love with her. I mean, it's not it's not something where you feel like, I hate you because you don't know that he doesn't love you, that he's in love with you. He's so in the front he's zone. He's in the front even zone. The, even, the, even the Flash cannot, you know, with his super speed, cannot escape the front <laughs> zone. The part that really <laughs> pulls it on top for me of how I, making me like her even more was how she protected Barry as like her father. How she like um, even going so far as to lie to her her father to save Barry from getting in trouble. Right when she was a little kid. Right, those little those little details right there make me like her even more. So as the show progresses, we see how close they are, and I think I can see why she sees Barry as her brother more than she would see him as as a potential love interest. Like, cause she's always he's been the tragic figure in her life. And she always feels like she has to to protect him from everything. Like the father, like her father does. They both feel like they have to protect her. Let's start to wrap up the flash. I just wanted to talk real a little bit about that stinger at the end after the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, last episode, we weren't sure if Harrison Wells was a good guy, bad guy, or indifferent. Now it's pretty clear he's, he's going to be a bad guy. So do you guys think he's our reverse Flash, or is he someone else? Or I don't even sure think he's a bad guy yet, because yeah, we don't know I what would... he knows. But he killed that guy in the end of the episode. He's, he's straight up we don't know what's We don't know what Stag knows. I mean, we're assuming... I mean, I know that there's... You know, like the first thing we do is think, because he murdered that guy without him doing anything to him, that he must be a bad guy. But we don't know if Stag killed someone or... Is responsible for mass murder or, you know, down the line? Because it seems like Stag is not really that uh, reputable of a businessman. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he screwed over Danton Black, the guy, you know, a.k.a. Multiplex. You know, mm-hmm. made him watch his, his like he's, he's trying to tell Barry when they were fighting him, you know, made him watch his wife, like, waste away and die rather than yeah. her, you know, so. I'm trying to remember, didn't he say something about, I mean, basically he has to become the Flash or something like that, so it seems like he's protecting him in a way. And he has to so be maybe, safe. That was, like, the yeah. last thing he said was when he killed him, he said, you know, he's like, the, the Flash must be kept safe. So I don't know if he's actually evil or if he's kind of a lawful neutral to lawful evil kind of guy, basically doing what needs to be done to keep what he wants to happen. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that was the thing that really got me. It was like he didn't kill Stag because you know he went put Dent and Black through all that, or that because he was you know uh, an you know an evil person, or whatever. He only killed Stag to protect Barry. 
Yeah. And, you know, and that know. kind of motive kind of makes me think reverse flash, like the Hunter Zolomon version. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he has to, he has to make sure Barry becomes the hero he was meant to be, you know? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into no, it. No, I'm reading know? the same thing, but I'm wondering every, because we get tricked so many times as probably reading comics and stuff, but I'm wondering if they're giving us so many, uh, clues that it's going that direction. And then you turn around and, it winds up being the Iris's boyfriend, you know, that yeah. is the evil one, and that maybe maybe he doesn't win that fight with Iris's boyfriend, right? Maybe and that, you, and then on the other hand, maybe that's just something to throw us like guys looking for Easter eggs off. Yeah, you yeah. I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I think one of the two of them is going to be the Reverse Flash, or like Daryl saying, it could be both of them, and you know, the one's going to fail and the other one's going to succeed because he's obviously from the future and has you know knowledge of what can and will happen, so he can manipulate it. He seems to want him at his best, mm-hmm. so it makes you think Reverse Flash that right. we remember the the last one, but then I think. What if he has to be alive for some big thing that's going to happen that would prevent, you know, like maybe there are thousands that got killed. But what if there are, you know, millions that he will save um, down the line? And if he's not ready, you know, that won't happen. Didn't John wasn't John's the one who introduced the Hunter Solomon character in his run on the Flash? I think, I think the new so. one. You're talking yeah, about. yeah. The yeah. new reverse. Yeah, Flash. he was because. The profiler guy, yeah. Right, the yeah. profiler guy, Hunter Zolomon, not not Eobard Thawne, the guy from the 41st century. Right, that was um, Wade. I think Wade dealt with him more than than anything. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Plus, I mean, he, I think he was from Silver Age originally. Right. But, right. um, I mean, what if, it's a, what if it's a combination of both? What if it's like mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, the Hunter Zolomon thing about having to, you know, forge him in, in the fire of despair for him to become this great hero? And it's somebody from the future who's, you know, trying to make sure he reaches his destiny or whatever. He kind of, I can see that, you know, John's maybe taking elements from both. I don't know. Like I said, it's all speculative so far. Well, and I'm thinking the the whole H.G. Wells thing is is obviously, uh, you know, it's it's a cover. It's it's a play on words. So, I mean, he's definitely not that name so I, I i'm tending to lean towards what you're saying jim but at the same time like you said man they could just be doing everything they can to throw us completely off and what if it's like the like in marvel's uh the kang character where there's many versions of him right and yeah. one is more mature than the other like one is immortus and one is kang uh, like the, the evil kang and then you have immortus where i've done so much bad and it really hasn't helped anything Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to, you know, I have to stop my other self. So it would be something. It's the same character, just with a different perspective. Yeah, because that would be amazing if it winds up being that um, he's the older version of uh, Thawne, and he has to get Barry ready to take this dude out when he does come about, come about. But then you would say to yourself, then why wouldn't he just kill the guy before he becomes, you know, just kill himself right away? Or, you know, maybe he's coming, maybe they sent him back because they knew the Flash was the only one who could stop the crisis. And And he has to stay alive for the crisis, yeah. Right, because, I mean, they definitely, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was an accident they used that word. No. In in that newspaper. I don't think they would have gone to that word if they weren't trying to stir up, you know, thoughts. And that's his big deal. It could also be kind of, you know, he has knowledge of everything that happens, but when he goes back and each thing he changes, 
you know, it's the whole Back to the Future thing of the alternate 1985 line. So he doesn't know now that he's changed something, what happened. So maybe that's why he has that where he goes and he looks at the newspaper and all that. He's just back and forth. He's trying to be to inform himself correctly so that he gets the outcome, him and whoever in the future desires for the crisis. Right. Plus, he can see if what he's done has had any effect on that future. Line. Yeah, you'd have to keep checking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our our, um, our listeners had a lot of cool things to say about this episode as well. Patrick Tony uh, wanted to say, good episode. I like how Barry is making mistakes, and we're seeing him learn how to be the Flash. I really like that, too. I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. glad they didn't just assume he'd be able to just kick everybody's ass. You know, yeah, I don't want him to be trained automatically out the gate. No, no. I mean, even Arrow, I mean, he's fully trained and everything, but we're seeing how he got that way. You know? mm-hmm. um, okay. Joe West being a smart cop and figuring out Barry was at Star Labs is a great scene. Also like them establishing the father and son relationship between Barry and Joe. Yep. Me too. I thought it really worked. You know, um, the beginnings of Iris being a reporter and starting to follow via social media was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'll be a cool subplot as it plays out. I hope they do more of that thing where he talks to himself in in uh, super speed. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of cool. To, yeah, for that him. That was a nice yeah. effect. You know, it's like a dear diary, but not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I wonder, was Caitlin Snow's fiancé Ronnie Raymond? Because they said his name is Ronnie. I also, So I wonder when he returns and meets Professor Stein, will this bring Firestorm in? Um, presumably so. We know someone's been hired to play the role of Ronnie Raymond. So and we, they, they cast a, a, a Professor Stein, Professor too. Stein. That's right, that's right. So, so, so why do that if you're not going to yeah. eventually? I'm right. sure down the line it'll be a lock. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be interesting to see how they're going to do Firestorm with the bud- with a TV budget. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm sure they're not going to... I doubt they're going to go with the bright orange and, and, no, and, and yellow and red uniform. Even in a movie, that'd be hard to pull off. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, I don't think that'd look that great. It's like Wolverine's yellow and blue. Mm-hmm. You know? So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think Fire- we'll definitely be seeing Firestorm down the road. Johnny M, my compatriot from the Long Box of Doom and the HHWLOD network, as well as, you know, It's All Connected and some other podcasts, uh, really enjoying the show. Has some clunky dialogue at times, but uh, we know there was an explosion, for God's sake. Uh, but mostly it's a lot of fun. I, I agree, John. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, Steven the Burge, loving the show. Jesse Martin is killing it as Joe West. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was visibly hurt by the You're Not My Father. Yes, it's a bit overused, but he sold it for me. Uh, great scene with the sugar and telling Iris, hey, I just mentioned that. <laughs> great use of F- FX on the cheap. Save the money for save the money for Agent Smith, multiplex splitting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Dr. Wells is an intriguing character that I hope gets dragged on a little longer. It seems we're getting too much too soon with the storyline. Uh, good podcast. Can't wait to hear. Thanks, Stephen. Um, Adam Fatale wrote in, uh, you, I really enjoyed the episode. I agree with Stephen that overused. You're not my father line, uh, Don Dr. Dr. Wells is a dangerous man. Yeah, that's what we saw. Yeah. And then um, Mark Allgaier, I'm sorry, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, loved the episode. Was this in the background a reference to the JSA? And he took this, he had this picture of uh, you know Joe West and, and, and Dr. Wells presumably going through the, the police station. And there's this lineup that's very, it looks very much like a classic JSA cover. I mean, I don't think it's those characters but it's an interesting like uh, i guess homage in a way maybe it looks like one of the old jsa covers the way they have the mm-hmm. uh, the, the people lined up and it says truth liberty and then justice in biggest letters so 
That was a cool Easter egg to spot, Mark. Thanks a lot for uh, pointing that out. And if you want to see the frame or picture we're talking about, please come to the Facebook group, uh, DCTV Podcast, and join up. We are up to 60 members now, which is pretty good after four episodes. So mm-hmm. uh, we got to keep it keep it rolling. Um, but if you want to see that picture and you know comment and uh, you know talk about all these shows that are coming out, and you know Constantine just around the corner, so you know it's gonna be four shows a week we'll be covering. So that's pretty awesome. Okay, uh, let's move on to Arrow, the episode Sarah. Yeah. The aftermath of uh, you know the the bombshell they dropped on us last episode. Yes. Uh, kind of crazy. Very... I mean. Yeah, on a very serious episode. Yeah, on a very special episode. <laughs> um, everybody's kind of shaken up. We, of course, get the, the nice funeral scene there. Um, Diggle and Lila are going to name their daughter Sarah, which I thought was a cool touch. Yeah. We get uh, Brandon Routh taking over at Queen. Not only yes. taking over Queen Industries, but also taking away Felicity, who we all love. Bastard. I know. I, and, uh, I have to say that he, Brandon Routh, this is probably the best character and performance he's given out of all the stuff I've seen him in, which is pretty, yeah, I don't know what that says about him, but yeah. Well, he's, uh, when you give him material, he can give you something because I've seen him in a few indie movies and he's yeah. done very well, but it's, it's the thing with the superhero stuff. You don't give him anything and it hurts him because he's not, he's not the type of actor that could just sit and not talk and come off very right. well. And I think Brandon Routh was kind of the victim of Brian Singer as far as oh, Superman Returns, oh, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, uh, If sure. you want to lay Superman's re- Returns at anyone's feet, it's got to be Singer. I mean, as, as, good, as, as good as Days of Future Past was, uh, you yeah, know, that mm-hmm. was Because there's bad. a way to play nerdy, <laughs> there's a way to play shy and nerdy and still come off as a real character. Like, kind of how he's doing it now. He's awkward. Uh, you take away the money, he played it, the first episode of Arrow, he basically played Clark, but in a better way to me. Because he came off as awkward, uh, but likable, and charming, and that's how I would picture Clark. Plus, he's, he's written smartly. Like, it's, it's, it's cool to see a character who we keep getting, you mm-hmm. know, hearing is so smart and so innovative actually speak like someone right. who is smart. You know? And not rude. Right, like not really rude. Not rude. rude so much as just lacking in social graces. And that's you know, how I would, frank, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. That scene where Felicity finally comes to him for the the job, and or I don't know if it was that scene or earlier, the one where he f- saw visibly something was really bothering her. Oh, by the elevator when they reached the yeah. elevator, right, he right. says, "You're not mad at me. I know that I've been, made enough people mad to know that it's not me that they're angry with. It's something else." Right. That, it's that type of character. I, I thought that was good dialogue. I thought mm-hmm. it was well written. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I really, uh, like I said, a little touches. We also get to some some good action as um, uh, um, Ryan Oliver take on a, a mercenary uh, named Lacroix, who they think mm-hmm. is uh, a Sarah's killer, but turns out not to be. Yeah, it's not Komodo. No, it is not Komodo. So I I still think it's Thea being trained by her father. Mm. Well, if we go to the I th- it might have been, but then when I it seems from the trailer for next episode, it seems that it seems like she's still training with her father. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, this could have been a field trip in the training. I don't know. I didn't get to see the scenes for next week, so I missed that part. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, this episode of Arrow, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a lot of good, um, a lot of good moments too. Plus, I mean, you know, Roy finally told Oliver about Thea, so I mean, that's why mm-hmm. he's going. So. And that kind of set, setting that um, in motion. We saw a lot of nice glimpses of uh, 
you know, things to come with the League of Assassins and whatnot and Merlin. So, uh, good episode, I thought. I, you know, season's been solid so far. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And not that much Diggle in this episode, but I like the fact that him and, and his wife or ex-wife or however you want to call her, uh, are naming the baby Sarah after Sarah. So Yeah, yeah I thought that was cool. And I'm sure they're going to be tied into the story, but I think we talked about this on an earlier episode. He's going to be he's doing a movie, so right, right. Um, you know, he'll probably be limited access. He'll um, probably film a scene, a, a quick scene here or there, every couple of episodes, but it wouldn't be, it won't be more than that. Right. Which is sad because I love that character, man. I do too. He's really oh yeah, he's a good character. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just some quick ratings news uh, um, to wrap up the episode. Um, the Flash has broken all the record, uh, all records by becoming the most watched premiere on the CW network ever. Uh, once they included the plus three and plus seven demographics, mm-hmm. uh, it broke even the record held earlier by the, the Vampire Diaries. Uh, wow. the plus three ratings came through. Um, That's great. Four, uh, 6.42 million watched the premiere in the first three days. I'm all, I'm, I'm happy. I'm always, every uh, superhero-oriented show, I'm happy to see those numbers uh, get higher. I think it's getting really good word of mouth, too. I mean, I think some people are going to jump on, I mean, who wouldn't normally you know, check out a superhero show. I mean, what's the word mm-hmm. of mouth that kicks in? Cause... Plus, they're repeating it. They're, they're repeating mm-hmm. Flash after Arrow, as, you know, it comes the day before, but it also, they repeat it after Arrow, too. Right, and then Gotham ended up uh, getting a, a full season order, and it also set a record for what, um, what they call live plus seven, which are not only the people who watch the show live as it's broadcast, but in the next mm-hmm. seven days after, uh, yeah. on DVR on digital service, by giving an eighty-two percent boost to its ratings um, via, you know, like I said, online or DVR viewership. So, mm-hmm. um, based on that, they ended up getting the full season order. Um, for that show, so we're going to see at least I, yeah. one full season of Gotham. I think this will change the, the game for next season, of, of just shows in general, especially genre shows. I think there's really going to, they're not going to be as quick, even Fox is not going to be as quick to, to pull the plug. So I was just going to say, they really, uh, Nielsen just started, you know, has really just started taking into account DVR and digital viewing. I mean, considerably, mm-hmm. I mean, what was it, six months ago maybe? or Yeah. Not even mm-hmm. that? And to see those numbers, they got to be saying to themselves, like if, like a show like Almost Human, I would be curious to see what their numbers would be if the show had came out now, right? As opposed to last season, if it came out this season, what, what their plus sevens would be? It's interesting. I mean, in, in the plus seven, I mean, eighty-two percent, they almost doubled their ratings, mm-hmm. and you know, yet you know, six nine months ago, that wasn't even counted in ratings. No. So it's it's you're right. It's you're absolutely right, Daryl. It is changing the game absolutely. Okay, well um, that's all we've got for the DC TV podcast this week. Um, oh, I'm sorry, animation uh, station. I just wanted yeah. to recommend. Uh, it's available on digital video right now. It was aired on Cartoon Network just recently, and it's on iTunes as well. Uh, the Robot Chicken DC Comics Special Volume <laughs> Two: Villains in Paradise, and uh, it's if you saw the first one. Mm-hmm. It's you know, you know what to expect. Only this time, yeah. it's mostly the villains, and uh, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, Always it, love Robot Chicken. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they always great... do good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty smart comedy when they it, do it. And you can tell they're geeks with the jokes that they make. You know. Yeah, they do. Like my, one of my favorite jokes in the whole cartoon, they showed Cyborg going to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, he walks up to the toilet. He kind of uh, strains. He pulls a, out of his pocket a floppy disk that says "poop" on it. 
<laughs> I mean, that is so smart. Drops it in the toilet and walks That's away. Smart. So, I mean, it was it was really fun. And uh, there's a whole subplot with um, the clone Superboy and Lex uh-huh. Luthor's daughter falling in love. And they do a parody of Grease, but with uh, the Legion of Doom. And uh, it's it's really, it's pretty funny. Starro, isn't it? <laughs> of course. Starro the Conqueror. So, um, like I said, it's available on iTunes and Video On Demand. That's where I got a hold of it. It's also airing on Cartoon Network, the Robot Chicken. DC Comics Special Part 2, uh, Villains in Paradise. So that's the animation station for this week. Um, Daryl Chubb, thanks for uh, pulling double duty on this episode. I really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, you can find Daryl at the Daryl Taylor, at the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many shows. No apologies. Nothing's on. Yeah, I said it. DC Noise. Uh, there, there are at least twenty or thirty more that I, I could rattle off. Um, Daryl is Daryl's the man of a thousand podcasts, and uh, he's he is the ideal to, ideal to which we all aspire in the podcasting world. So. I'm pretty sure that 98% of podcasts on iTunes feature Daryl in some form or fashion, right? They should. Or he's guesting on them. One of the two. So <laughs> you go to taylornetworkofpodcast.com. Not only will you find all those shows there, but you find like a lot of cool articles and, and uh, blogs and things like that. Uh, Chubb, thanks for joining me. Chubb, of course, is featured on the Walking Dead podcast, the Walking Dead TV podcast, as well as uh, a lot of our other shows on Long Box of Doom. Uh, if you are into this show and really enjoying it, definitely go to hhwlod.com. Check out all of our cool podcasts there, including uh, Sleepy Hollow Podcast, the Ichabod mm-hmm. Crane Cast. Uh, we also have, um, uh, like I said, the Walking Dead TV Podcast, uh, highly listened it's to on iTunes. Connected. It's all connected. The, the Marvel Studios Podcast, which not only covers Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also um, the upcoming Marvel TV and movie um, properties coming up. I know the most recent episode had a lot of good stuff about the Daredevil panel at New York Comic Con. So, oh yeah, definitely right. want to be checking it's that. Good out. stuff, very good stuff. And if you like to listen to Daryl and I rattle on about TV, then definitely checking out the Nothing's On podcast um, on the on the Taylor Network. It's all about oh, TV yeah. and movies, and uh, we bring our we bring it. We bring yeah. We cover as many as we possibly can a week. More than humanly possible sometimes, <laughs> but we do it. I watched. I don't. I I had. I watched "Marry Me" the other night just for the show. Just so I could talk about it on the things on. So yeah, that's the kind it. of dedication we have. Uh, we are dedicated. Kind of we so, do it. We bring it. Thanks a lot for joining us, and um, we'll see you guys next week on the DC TV podcast. Bye-bye. 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 Bye bye. Bye bye.